0: Hello everybody and welcome to Security Talk, a speaker series podcast of the Santa Barbara Ventura chapter of ASIS International. I'm Patrick Kane and today we're talking to Chris Seidt. Chris served as a U.S. Marine and earned uh, BA and MS degrees from the University of Dayton and Henley Putnam School of Strategic Security. Professionally, he spent a career with roles in high-profile protective services, building corporate 100 EP and event security teams. Chris is currently a manager for executive leadership protection and event security programs at Intel Corporation. Privately, he's a veterans advocate, DIYer, youth soccer and baseball coach, and his children's personal chauffeur. Today, we're talking to Chris a little bit about event security. Hey, Chris, how's it going?
1: I'm great, Patrick, thanks for having me.
0: Oh, excellent, happy to have you on. I wanted to talk to you because you have a pretty extensive background in executive protection but you also have a background in events as well and that's something that you're currently involved with. And to be frank it's something I don't have much experience with I've done some smaller events like shareholder meetings things of that nature. Um, but I'm very interested and I think the audience will be very interested in hearing about some of the challenges some of the considerations you need to think about concerning planning and so forth.
1: Yeah. Um... I would say that uh, the money is made in that administrative process. I mean, there's nothing better than being able to get the most accurate information, specifically about what the events planners or that business unit's main objective is. Uh, events, for the most part, are meant to be fun. You know, there, there's sometimes an optic of, well, we need to ensure that the entire uh, uh, s- the event is is well secure. Well, of course, I mean that's a that's a that's a given, but I think the, uh, the, the, the biggest kind of uh, key to success is, uh, is being a great partner. I, I think that's kind of first and foremost is realizing that your stakeholders are looking for you to uh, you know, complete an objective, and that is making sure that the safety and security of the event is dialed in to the point where they can execute their plan. I mean, it's you work for them, you work for the, the situation at hand. And it's uh it's definitely ideal to uh, to make sure that you're all ears in that administrative process.
0: So it sounds like, as with things often in security, there's a bit of a balance between the functionality of what you're trying to do and ensuring there's a degree of security, so that you, you you're you're not the one basically making all the rules. You need to kind of fit it into somebody else's program. Is, is yeah, there's no sure doubt about it. it.
1: I, yeah, so there, there's there's definitely a, a litmus test. Which you know you find in that kind of that, that first phase of, uh, of administrative process, which is that information gathering, you know, getting a good sense of what it is they're trying to accomplish with the tools that they have at their disposal. That's typically you know a location, an event center. It could be in a corporation, it could be in a corporate office, it could be in a giant stadium. Um, so the, the trickle down effect of understanding kind of understanding the playing field really gets the event preparation started so in that listening phase you're evaluating the location you're understanding the key objectives and the resources that you might already have in place versus what you have to then instill in place which then starts that snowball effect of evaluating the risk evaluating the uh, the access plan evaluating what are the key what are the key moments of the event and again it could be a very large Uh, stadium-sized event, or it could be a very intimate setting internally, but we want to get away from any type of cookie-cutter appraisal of manufacturing reasons to say, well, this is what we do, and this is how we do it. It's more like, hey, what are you trying to accomplish, and how can we help?
0: So it sounds like uh, advanced work and kind of some of the preparation ahead of time is kind of critical to making sure it's a successful event and that you don't have any issues.
1: Yeah, most definitely, and I think really, really parsing out what uh, what what the, what the underlying uh, issues could possibly be. So, if we've got a large event and a large event space with many, many, many attendees, well, you're just dealing with with, with the masses. How do you organize a, a fantastic logistics plan around the fact that you've got five to ten thousand uh, folks all trying to? listening on a keynote or being a part of a demonstration or, you know, on the entertainment side, you know, is it a red carpet? Is it a big film festival? Just trying to understand the dynamic of how your, your ability to keep the event moving forward in a very well thought out way. But at the same time, ensuring that each of the beats of the event, whether it's a couple hours or a couple days has consistency for that feeling of safety and security but all the while allow the event to do its thing allow the, the attendees and the people that are being participants to feel as if you don't there's not a heavy handedness to it but again i digress because it very well might need some heavy handedness let's just say uh, during the registration a check-in process you know there might be a need for magnetometers there might be a need for a more Overt guard force or police force to show that, hey, listen, you know, if you're if you're a bad actor, this is the wrong place for you to try something. So you're really trying to make a concerted effort to really dialing in what's what's in the best interest of the event, what's in the best interest of safety and security. Uh, you know, we talk about on our side, you know, what are the typical scenarios. Where there are are, are issues. Well, a lot of times it's access. Are the right people getting into where they need to be? And are the wrong people being denied that ability to get in? It's pretty simple stuff, but it's the nuances of, you know, when you get into the discussions with the stakeholders of, you know, we got so and so showing up last minute. How are we handling that? So again, I, I typically go back to seriously asking some tough conversations very early on in the process to get the stakeholders motivated to say, like, hey, listen. During this administrative phase, what you're saying might sound great, but when we get to the day itself,
0: these are some of the contingencies that we need to be ready for. So it sounds like, um, sounds like obviously you have to engage with the stakeholders, but it sounds like conceptually a lot of the approach is the same regardless of the size of the meeting. But I guess in terms of the execution, it's going to depend a lot. Uh, you're going to have to have more advanced time. Uh, for an event which is going to be larger and so forth. Uh, is that accurate?
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. So being able to carve out the ability to go do site assessments is so critical. There's there's no way for you to be able to speak eloquently about how you see logistics actually uh, being executed without actually being there. And, and again, when you're talking about a big corporation or a company, sometimes there's no funding to send the security guy in advance. But you kind of have to put your foot down in some scenarios where you say like, I can't fully grasp the picture of the thing that you wanna do as far as executing this thing. Now, dependent on your organization and dependent on the situation at hand, there's a bit of practical uh, discussions that happen where you say, listen, I I wanna be able to give you what you need, but I'm gonna have to go over to this place to get a better uh, assessment. So you're also then talking about staffing. So a lot of these event spaces are self-contained, they've got their own, you know, security force already established, you know, a lot of these major marquee uh, locations already have a vendor force. So will your team, whether it be the the corporate security team, events team, uh, the the actual uh, stakeholders, the events planners, or the producers, uh, will they have to then integrate with an already set up infrastructure? Now let's just put that in its box, which has its own challenges, and let's go to like a clean slate. What if you've got nothing? What if you're building out a one-off event where there's nothing there and everything is very conceptual and you're having to then basically create a secure environment with nothing? And how do you go through the steps of aligning the correct vendor? And it goes back to my trying to keep away from any type of cookie cutter appraisal of each situation is that, yeah sure, templated, You know, you gotta set up a perimeter. You gotta have sensitive areas that are covered. You gotta make sure that the logistics plan of the people and the flow is well dialed in. Both rules apply for both scenarios, but there's a bit of kind of finesse to one and there's a bit of finesse to the other. But I must say that the devil's in the details and you have to be able to have that type of partnership with those stakeholders to ensure that what you're reading or what you're being told is accurate and there's nothing better than being able to get to the site itself talk to the folks that are already there talk to them about gigs that they've done in the past hey what's different or what's you know what what's the same about our our event this time more times than not you're going to get those events uh those site management teams saying oh, you know we do this all the time with corporations such as yourself and i typically say you know hear that with a grain of salt as well but at the same time say like all right here are our major pain points here are the things that I need the most. And the things that I need the most is continuity of operations. Is there a, a fantastic comms plan? How are we communicating for any variety of situation that may occur? And then I look to the stakeholders, they like, how are you all communicating? And then bringing the two sources together to ensure that everyone's reading from the same sheet of music, so the event itself can be executed uh, in the plan in which they designed and they envisioned and then b go back to the site and say like all right are we in a major metropolitan city is there a crime are there unique stressors or risks that are inherent to the situation uh, in the location that you're at and you know that has a, has a, has a, a play as well i mean they get a vote your 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 outside world gets a vote on on something such as easy as like an arrival plan how is everybody even getting in and will there be any issues with their coming in do we need them to be secure offsite before they come site? or if they do come in the front door, what does that look like, and what are they having to deal with? So we talk about the ability to move people from point A to point B, but we're also talking about the experience. So that's one key attribute that I typically talk about is that the experience of the attendees pretty much has uh, ha- has a lot of um, has a lot of stake in the situation. So if they have a miserable time getting in. A miserable time parking a miserable time trying to get credentials that's going to then echo on the larger picture for the events teams because they don't want their attendees to have to have, have these types of constraints just to get them in sight or on site to enjoy or be a part or experience the actual event itself
0: yeah so it sounds like you you have a whole lot that you uh, that you included in that i'll try and parse some of it out uh, to be sure i understand But it sounds like um, there are some advantages with working with an existing team somewhere. So if you're not building it from scratch, if there's somebody who uh, it's a particular venue that's got a security team that has had experience, that there's some advantage with that. But there may be some challenges, either from a standpoint of complacency, where they have I've seen this before, I've done this. But there may be things about your event which are special, at least special for you that you want to be sure that they understand uh, the kind of nuances of that. Is that is that true? For sure. Yeah. So there's two parts
1: that I'm thinking about when you ask Patrick is that, you know, back in back in the old military days, we talked about friction points. And if you're if you're a small unit leader, you're looking for the friction point. So administratively, you're keeping your ear out for where in this process of things being explained to you or the ideas and the things that you want to bring as far as securing the property, understanding the checks and balances. Is listening very, very intently on where those friction points could be. For instance, you get these big, uh, you know, big conglomerate um, uh, event spaces. You know, you really need to ensure that the management of those teams are on the same page as you, and you then have actual sphere of influence over how things are actually then executed. Because there's nothing worse than being able to be getting into a situation where you realize that this team's going to do what they're going to do, no matter what it is that you say. Well, that's a friction point. And then secondarily, when you're actually there on site itself, you're physically moving to where these friction points may be. You know, that morning arrival or that afternoon arrival before the event starts, that's a friction point. A lot of issues could be uh, kind of centered in that one space, not just from a people movement, such as like a bottlenecking at the actual uh, ingress point. Yep. It is, but you've anticipated it, so you're trying to then massage the scenario when you're there on site, especially during the um, uh, the site assessment itself, For the walkthrough, is to say, like, hey, listen, you want to throw out this flag, say, hey, this is going to be, you know, it's going to take most of these folks 35 minutes to an hour just to get through, so how can we work to reduce their experience of being slowed up, but at the same time, we talk about... Well, that, that exposure of our attendees for that 30 minutes to an hour, I mean, that's a real critical thing for bad people to, you know, do what it is that they want to do because it's an exposure piece. So as far as management is concerned, we're looking to find those friction points and then massage them to the point where they're,
0: you're able to then have control over the scenario. So um, in those types of situations, you do kind of have to be thinking about if you have an uncooperative staff, uncooperative is maybe uh, too strong a word, but a staff that's going to do what they would like to do, basically, or what they're accustomed to doing. You need to be able to kind of build off of that work around and have contingencies that that will kind of fill the gaps uh, when you do encounter like those those um, those issues or friction points at, at those times. Um, I'm very interested. Um, are there any special challenges with smaller events? I mean, we've kind of been talking a little bit more, at least how I've been envisioning it, about like kind of uh, outside venues and kind of larger events, but are there any particular challenges that you've seen with smaller events or maybe internal type events?
1: Yeah, internal internal events are interesting because is typically last in their mind. You know, it's it's one of those things where if you're at a if you're at a major campus of, of, of a company, you know, I like to think that inherently Anyone that's there is typically safe already. That's their place of work. It's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, d- depending on what the event is or what the objective event uh, of the event is, you know, it, it still gets it gets back to the root of really hearing your stakeholders. If you're at least invited into the room, so that could be the challenge number one: is do you have an invitation to ensure that this event internally also is thinking about the safety and security event. A lot of major corporations already think that for instance, if it's um uh, if it's senior leadership coming into giving like, let's say a town hall, yeah, sure, you know, there's gonna be some some version of security because you know, you've got the big boss there and he or she is gonna be making a presentation and you know who knows what the actual objective is. I can talk succinctly specifically about um, if it's something where they need to break some bad news. Well, we already know what the bad news is, hopefully going into it knowing that. You know, the, the the wide majority of individuals listening to this talk might not love it. Well, let's just talk about, you know, just dollars and cents here is that, you know, you've got one major high profile individual coming into a room full of um, full of employees or others that are gathered there in, a, in an intimate setting, just ensuring that the the experience of that of that individual, if it's an executive, is that they're there to accomplish a task. Their time is obviously super valuable. So we then start connecting with, you know, if it's the CEO or if, you know, the the head of marketing or something, you know, we want to kind of understand what their objectives are, how they're moving in, what they're doing while they're there up on stage uh, and how they're getting out. And so uh, in, in a very smaller kind of more candid environment, you know, it might not take five to 10 guards, you know, that are already there on site or bringing in a vendor force, just to secure an internal event with internal employees because what you don't want to do is make it seem as if this is a secure this is a security issue when there isn't right now that's the ultimate challenge is like is finding that balance with ensuring that the event gets to be executed in the vision that it was uh, that it was uh, prescribed but at the same time ensuring that you know, what are the outliers what are some of the contingencies i mean we think about the things when it comes to events in general is, is medical, for instance. you know, At any point, someone could drop down and need CPR or they might have a slip, trip, and fall. Um, I, I like to say that no matter what the event is, no matter what the event size, is that everybody should be made to feel as if they've got the resources when they need it, whether it be security, whether it be medical, is that I create, in the beginning, the understanding of the event and what are the attributes that I think are gonna be the most needed during that time. So. It's a little bit skewed off the, uh, of the presence of answering your question about small internals. But again, it kind of triggers back to this understanding of the event. What are they trying to accomplish? How will we execute that vision and at the same time ensure that the, uh, the experience is uh, is enjoyable?
0: Uh, you hit on something I thought that was very interesting in there as well, too, talking about the stuff involving medical events, which obviously is a commonplace concern. Uh, what type of contingencies are there, I guess, that you could expect or that you should plan for as um, as somebody who's responsible for the security at an event? Uh, besides that, obviously, you're going to be concerned about things involving medical. Are there any other particular things that you've seen that are, are consistent or more of a trend or things that, that you would want to kind of focus on from a probability standpoint?
1: Yeah, again, going back to the assessment event, let's just say it's outside. It's the, you know, the the beginning of summer or end of summer and it's hot, you know, how much are they exposed to the, to the heat? You know, is there a water plan? Do we have shade? Is there a version where, for instance, they're waiting too long just for the thing to start? And that's actually something that we would say in, in, even in our capacity, say, Hey, listen, I put myself in the shoes of the attendees. Like it, this is not fun sitting, you know, for 45 minutes in the, in the sun waiting for just waiting for this person to come out and start talking to us. And so then I go back to the events planners and say, hey, listen, you know, what can we do to limit this time? What can we do to make sure that this is going to be, because eventually what you're trying to say is that I'm trying to stave off risk before it happens. I'm trying to be proactive about eventualities that very much could be. So you know, like in a, um, in a corporate setting, you know, we talk about ADA compliancy, right? So is, is the person in the wheelchair uh, able to get, you know, and move freely, whether it's on the second or third floor, is, is do we have enough follow through to ensure that each of the people that are attending have the ability to get there and then obviously enjoy it? But from a medical standpoint, you know, some of the things that come to mind the most are uh, revolving on production, like how much equipment is being laid around? Are there a lot of cables on the ground? Are they looked after? Typically, they do great. They understand, you know, the cable management, there's got to be, you know, some type of like, um, a curb that goes over the major cables to ensure Mm -hmm. that people don't trip. And so that's also part of our duty is to be a little bit more on the safety side of things to just call out some areas where, you know, there's heavy machinery or there's a lot of moving parts. Um, Part of that is also being a great partner to the wider situation as opposed to like on the nose of, you know, we need one guard to stand there, write a registration and make sure that things are moving smoothly. Yeah, granted that's gonna happen anyway. But to be a great partner, we think a little bit more outside the box, again, about the experience, putting yourself in other people's shoes and having the the, the um, a, a little bit wider um, aperture for the situation. And I think that's a value add to be able to then speak on behalf of the situation at hand about what the stakeholders are trying to achieve allows them to perceive you as a stronger partner and then not just a part of a spoke in a hub that's just
0: trying to execute the event. Yeah, no, I think that's actually, as you were saying it, that's exactly what I was kind of thinking is that you are a value add in those situations. You're looking at it more holistically. I mean, obviously your primary focus is security, but you're looking at it holistically. You're looking at other things that could potentially be a problem or end up going wrong. So that's, yeah, that's extremely valuable. Have you had any situations with events where you had to be concerned about a a person of interest or person of concern that maybe you couldn't exclude from the event, but you had to be aware of them. And how did you manage it when you had that situation, if that super occurred?
1: Yeah, so it does. And and people of interest um, uh, uh, do come to us, not just to the current organization, but just in general, is that, you know, we, we try our best to um, have enough um, intelligence, ga- intelligence gathering capabilities, whether it be internally, or whether it be OSINT in some version of the story, or whether it be right, right underneath our nose with like, for instance, a person of, of, of interest that's that's an employee. And so understanding the ramifications of how that person became to be a person of interest, you know, we'll then use on the management side, a bit more candor for keeping an eye on this person, or at least understanding a situation where something of Um, ill intent could then uh, happen. So we talk about like a keynote address. There's nothing more horrific than an executive standing up there and somebody interrupting or worse pursuing, right? So I guess um, I would lean then a little bit more harder on my uh, executive protection shops to design a better, more robust ability to deny access, right? To limit exposure, right? To have a plan for cover and evacuate and basically get in touch with, like, is this a plausible scenario where a person of interest could gain access to their objective, whether it's on the nose as far as uh, uh, an individual that that wants to, um, th- there's bad intent for another individual, or, or something wider, right? They've got grievances against the company, or they've got grievances about the industry. Well, there's a lot of things that we can't do, right? We can't, if they're not breaking the law, if they haven't been, you know, under the um, under some type of uh, uh, H.R. constraint about how yeah, restraining to God, yeah. I, I, exactly. So, I mean, there are some basic things that we typically do is that we you know, we if we have to, we'll engage with their management team, that that individual's management team. Like ask is is this something that they need to be going to? And, and, and there, it's a very interesting thing when when security. Uh, um, basically crosses that that line or breaches the uh, like the fourth wall, if you will, is that there are other other ways to uh, to to facilitate information, understanding that information. But at the end of the line, what I'm ultimately trying to create is an environment of security, whether it be con- um, uh, different uh, concentric rings of security. So it doesn't matter if that person of interest or uh, a bolo is is specifically in the area i mean don't get me wrong if we know that there's an, a there's an mm-hmm. adversary on site we're doubling our efforts we're we're, we're plussing up in some places we're, we're making it extremely difficult for for them to gain access if they just have a credential and they're in the building clearly we need to at least get eyes on or at least have an understanding of what it is that
0: they're there to do okay excellent yeah that's that's extremely interesting chris uh one thing i want to ask is we're kind of closing out here soon is if I'm a, a security manager who hasn't handled events before, but now I'm kind of tasked with that, do you have a couple of kind of key points that I should focus on, uh, or things that I should keep in mind as I'm getting involved in planning for the for the event and the security around it?
1: For sure, I think number one certainly would be is uh, is is to is to give yourself the image of being a fantastic partner first and foremost. You know, like a lot of times. You know, you get a corporate executive, uh, sorry, a corporate security person that, are, as you said, deputized to run this event. Well, you have to come with a bit of confidence to say, like, all right, I'm here to execute this plan that you have, and I'm willing to put in the resources uh, to get that done for you. The second is to actually evaluate and assess the situation for what it is and for what it's not. You know, we don't want to just apply a methodology that says that, You know, in a small event and tier number three, we're always going to have five to 10 guards. Like that's nice for the bookkeepers, but in reality, you have to come to it with an understanding of what are the actual risks. So we're talking about risk management. Like if it's a small intimate setting and it's, you know, 50 to 100 employees in one room, there's no reason why you'd ever have to have a guard inside the room to have a guard outside the room, making sure the right people get it in. Sure. But what we're trying to do is assess the situation for what it is being extremely mindful of the fact that if I overload a security presence, you're gonna get negative feedback. If I underload the security presence, I'm gonna get negative feedback. So it really talks about that administrative process of ensuring that you're dialing in the correct amount of security. And even if you don't know what that correct amount is, you ask questions. You might seem a little bit vulnerable, like you don't know what you're doing, but you know what, the event's happening. You're the person for the job. You're not getting out of it, so you ask questions. And there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of times events planners, whether it be internal or external, they've done this before. You know, I, I typically, even in EP, ask myself, well, what if I'm not here? What happens if, you know, I don't speak on behalf of, the, uh, of security? What's the security optic of the situation? I take myself out of the equation. I assess that, you know what? This event could happen without security at all. And that's the honest appraisal. But you've been asked to buy security. You give your thoughtful answers to the questions that they have. You apply the methodology of the correct amount of security. And then you go from there and hopefully you'll last be asked back because there's nothing worse than getting iced out internally with other events planners when you know that, uh, that it's needed. Essentially, you're trying to then execute on behalf of the thing that is in front of you to ensure that there's safety
0: uh, for that specific event. Yeah, no, that's that's extremely helpful. I mean, this has been very insightful, Chris. Uh, like I said, area I wasn't particularly knowledgeable about. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you you want to add at the end, or anything that we haven't haven't hit? I mean, I'm sure we could talk about this for for an hour, but um, but was was there any important aspects we kind of glossed over that you want to add?
1: Yeah, I I do want to hammer home two points, Patrick. One is, of course, the presentation of being a fantastic partner in the administrative process. But, in, but the biggest kind of litmus test of, of, of your worth and your ability to to execute on behalf of the plan is to actually be there to follow through, right? So even if the, the situation doesn't need you to physically be there, will that first one or that couple jobs that you have be there, be there to make the situation be made to feel like you've got security under control. And then you're able to then kind of go from there as far as if this is a brand new situation for yourself, or if you're leading a team, you have to be able to engage whether or not the stressors are the risks on site, whether or not you'll be a value add for actually physically being there. And if you are there, get into the details, be, be, uh, um, be present, be seen, don't work like You know, security folks talk about, I like to work in the shadows. It's like, that's all well and good. But in events, Mm -hmm. there has to be a a feeling of security, not just because there's somebody standing a post somewhere, but to understand that there are resources. So be present in the administrative phase, be present on the day for the event itself, and really be that, 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 that beacon of leadership, I would say. Like, even if you don't have experience running events, you still are needed there from a leadership capacity to ensure that the stakeholders are connected to the situation at hand. We stay at the level of, 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 uh, of situation at hand. If it increases to an emergency, you're right there to help. And when it decreases back to its, uh, to its main operating uh, space, you're there to ensure that there's follow through there. So be a great partner and be present.
0: Yeah, extremely helpful, Chris. Uh, awesome that you were able to hop on the call and everything. Uh, I think everyone will find this, you know, if nothing else, an, an excellent starting point to kind of think about events in the future and all the different things which uh, which are, are impacting them. So, yeah, outstanding. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Patrick.